I hate using the medical term. So the way I describe it is big painful balls, also known as cysts or sticky little patches, which grow and stick all of your reproductive system together. And when it's all stuck and when it's all inflamed, it feels like someone is rubbing um, a piece of barbed wire through you. Welcome to Allergy Proof, the podcast dedicated to helping hardworking women with health issues get through life. Hey, I'm your host, Ashley Templer, and I have more allergies and intolerances than you can count on one hand. I'm that person that BYO snacks to parties, but I'm also that person who spent thousands of dollars trying to get to the bottom of my symptoms, and I got there. From running my own social media agency, Pep Creative, and skincare brand yours only, I know a thing or two about navigating a very busy schedule with ongoing health issues. Join me as I give you my tips, interview your fave biz women and health specialists to help you solve and manage your autoimmune conditions and allergies. If you want to hear more about my story, head to yoursonly.co forward slash about, where you can also pick up some very allergy friendly products. Hello, and welcome to the end of Endometriosis Awareness Month. And to celebrate, I actually have spoken to Endometriosis Australia ambassador and TV and radio personality, Mal Gregg. So you might know her as she used to be one of the hosts of the Hot 30 Countdown where she replaced Carl and Jackio many, many moons ago and has interviewed stars like One Direction, Rihanna and Ed Sheeran. She is here to talk to us all about her experience with endo, her recovery of six surgeries, how it affects her life and how we need to open up the conversation to spread awareness. Enjoy. Hi, Mel. Welcome to the Allergy Proof Podcast. How are you? Uh, I'm exhausted. March is a tiring month because it's Endometriosis Awareness Month, which means we talk about endo and live through endo at the same time. So it just becomes quite exhausting. Yeah, I could imagine. And yes, it's very fitting that we're speaking now because it is Endo Awareness Month. So thank you for taking the time to chat to me today. It's all right. The way that I kind of like to start the conversations is to talk about what you were like when you were growing up, but mainly because I find a lot of the time it can play into your health journey as you move into adulthood. So it would be good to hear what you were like in terms of your personality, certain traits that you had, what your health was like. I was a little brat when I was younger. I um, was a runaway teenager as well. So I left home when I was 15, 16, um, had a lot of family problems and I ended up couch surfing for a couple of years. So, But prior to that, I was a farm girl, lived and um, born and raised on the farm, which was an incredible upbringing. Um, so does that make me healthy or not healthy? I feel like that makes you healthy by being on the farm. I don't know about the running away bit. <laughs> <laughs> that part, not so much. <laughs> not really. And then so when you left high school, what was your journey from that into your career? Yeah, pretty rocky. So I actually started volunteering in radio when I was 16, um, but I also worked in nightclubs. I'd left school at that age as well. So I really didn't stabilise my life until I was about 19. Yeah, wow. And then what was your process from being 19? Were you moving around to different areas? Because I know radio is such a hard career to get into. Well, I was still volunteering at that point, but I think the nightclub work probably made me quite unhealthy with the shift work. Yeah. Lots of drinking. So, yeah, that probably wasn't the healthiest way to enter my 20s. But at the same time, like most people in their 20s was the same. Like, I mean, they wouldn't have had the same job, but they would have been going out most nights and drinking, catching up with friends and not having the best, what do I say, like best healthy habits compared to now anyway. And then so 
we're here to talk about endo and your experience with it. So I know that you're not a doctor, but it would be good for you just to sum up how you explain it to people. Well, and I hate using the medical term. So the way I describe it is big painful balls, also known as cysts or sticky little patches, which grow and stick all of your reproductive system together. And when it's all stuck and when it's all inflamed, it feels like someone is rubbing um, a piece of barbed wire through you or a knife that's stabbing you. The pain is is just excruciating. And because it's an invisible illness, people really struggle to understand how painful this condition actually is. Yeah, that's so hard. And so how old were you when you saw your first symptoms? Well, I, because my 16 to 19-year-old self was a little bit unstable, I'm sure I had pain then, but I had so many other things going on that I don't remember it. So for me, it wasn't until I was... 22, 23, where I had problems with my bowel. And I actually went to the doctor with bowel problems because um, the endo had taken over my bowel, which I didn't know at the time. And it was excruciating trying to do number twos. So um, it was finally then that I was diagnosed, but I was put on the pill to fix it, which it doesn't fix. It just masks it. Mm. So my first surgery wasn't until I was 30. Wow, that's crazy and not ideal. And I hate the fact that doctors just think that the pill is just such an easy fix because it's not. No, but it's it doesn't fix it, but it does a good job at masking it. I'm still on the pill now, even though I'm not going to have children and it's not for the contraceptive side of it. It's because it is keeping my endo at bay until I have another big major surgery. Yeah. Wow. And so do you find that it affects your life so much that it, you can't do anything or what's your day-to-day life like when you have the pain? Look, for some women, they struggle day to day. For me, um, because I am on the pill and I'm using that as a treatment plan, I'll have a period every three months and it's due today or tomorrow. So I'm feeling it like my um, emotions are all over the shop. I'm extra fatigued than normal. um, And I know that for 24, 48 hours, I'm not leaving my bed. So I prepare and plan and I know that those couple of days every few months are going to be awful for me. Um, It's normally around your cycle that the pain is at its worst when your period is about to um, arrive or just during or after. That's when you'll experience the most pain. But some women have it every single day and they have no lifestyle. I mean, that should be declared as a disability when it's that bad. Oh, for sure. Like if you can't go to work that often, then definitely it should be a disability. Yeah. And so when you were being diagnosed, how did you feel emotionally about it? I know a lot of women feel that um, relief when they're diagnosed. I don't know what I felt. I was going through a lot of other bad stuff in my life at the time. So I'm like, okay, it is what it is and I'll just get the surgery and get it get it fixed. And at the time um, we were trying to plan for a baby. So it was more of a positive experience for me because I knew that I was going to get myself better by doing um, the mm. surgery knowing what I had. Uh, And because I'd been told what it was seven years earlier, it didn't come as a surprise. Whereas some women, they'll go through all of these symptoms and have no idea what's going on. They'll feel crazy. And then finally, they get that relief when they find out what's wrong with them. Yeah. So when you were diagnosed, did you get diagnosed through surgery? Well, they diagnosed me when they put me on the pill without doing the surgery. They said, look, you can spend five grand doing the surgery, or we can tell you right now you have endometriosis, go on the pill and it will fix it. That's kind of my first experience of being diagnosed with it. Um, But I didn't know what, I didn't even know how to say endometriosis when they diagnosed me. I didn't know what it actually meant. The doctor didn't explain um, there could be fertility issues. She didn't explain that it could cause all these other complications, that it might be on my bowel, 
um, and I should look into surgery. It, um, yeah, look, the GPs are getting better with the information they're providing about endometriosis, and I know there's a lot of extra training um, and funding that's going into that area. But until you speak to your surgeon after they've been in there and had a look, that's when you finally understand what the hell endo is. Um, you see the pretty pictures they give you afterwards and it's like, oh, my God, what even is that? It's like these big slimy balls in you and it's just it's hideous to look at but fascinating. And it's just so crazy that it's not preventable and you just don't really know until you've really gone in there. Nothing to do with health, size, you know, where you're from, nothing. It can affect any woman and it's affecting one in nine. Which is crazy. So you've had six surgeries now, is that right? Yes, That's wild. And so you recently released a statement in partnership with Heal Better, and I kind of want to hear about your experience post-operation. So you had said, the average patient like me needs to take 25 days off work for abdominal surgery. Given the fact we have four weeks of annual leave a year, we need options to decrease the recovery period. I believe that patients need to learn and self-educate on what is available for us to speed up the recovery time and to use each day of recovery efficiently. So It's so true. So how long do you have to recover after each surgery? For me, it's taken nearly four weeks each time. And it's the same thing. Your doctors, uh, like your surgeons, are brilliant and they do a great job. Their job is to do the surgery. Their job's not the recovery side of it. So you're basically sent home when you can, they take you for a walk, make sure your bowels are working and it's like, you're on your own now. So you're sent home with painkillers that you survive on for four weeks. There's never any um, advice on what else you could be doing, diet and exercise wise, or even the abdominal support band and the scar healing therapies that come in the Heal Better kit. How could I have had six surgeries and not known they existed? No one's ever suggested Mm. something that is so vital for the healing after surgery, and we're just not told about it. I know. So tell me more about the Heal Better kit. You got introduced to it. Was How long ago? Two weeks. Two weeks I found out about it. And I looked in the kit and I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even know there was my – and there's a free app that goes with it that has advice on it as well. But things to decrease the bloating. Um, But the biggest thing for me was that abdominal support band because when you come out of surgery – you need support on your tummy, but nothing too tight. You just kind of feel like you have to hold yourself because you think something's going to fall out. It's a really weird feeling. Wow. But you're so tender, so you rest your arm across there. So these bands um, are perfect, and that'll help with easing the bloating, the pain, so as well as having the painkillers and getting the, the cold pack and then the wheat pack on there. It's just giving you a few other options to help speed that recovery up because four weeks is insane. That's insane. And no one really has jobs that allow them to take that much time off work easily. That's why endo affects a lot of um, workplace relationships. Uh, It affects real life relationships as well with your partner, with friends, because it's a lot of time is consumed dealing with this condition. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to your endo, do you find certain things can flare it up? Yeah, and I know what those things are, but sometimes I ignore them because I like wine and (laughs) too much alcohol is is not good. But it doesn't flare it up while it's happening. It just adds to if there's a couple of things. So it wouldn't just be the alcohol. If it was alcohol, stress and bad food, the next day I'd probably get a flare-up. But 90% of my flare-ups come from nowhere I'll be lying in bed actually it's when I get out of bed because it's like your whole body's being settled overnight and then you get up and something often twinges because it's all stuck together 
and I normally get a lot of my flare-ups in the mornings. Wow. Is that common for other people or is it just different depending on who you are? Yeah, it's funny because we're all very similar with our journeys but also very, very different with um, what's going on inside. And I'm not sure. I know that every sufferer has the endo belly and gets the flare-ups and they'll have different triggers as well. Um, But, I mean, it would be interesting to ask when they get theirs, what's the most frequent time. But, yeah, for me it's in the morning. Yeah, wow. And then when it comes to managing it, what specialist do you have on file or that you always need to go and see? Look, for me I just stay on the pill and it seems to that's that's my treatment plan for me. I don't really see yeah. more alternative options, but I should. I know that um, oh, why can't I think of that little pin jabby thing? <laughs> Acupuncture. Um, that's oh. – <laughs> I've never tried it, but a lot of sufferers try it and love it. Um, You know, more holistic approaches, they do seem to work as well. Um, But because we have no cure or no real understanding what the hell endometriosis is and what's caused it, is it something that we're we're actually born with? We know it's hereditary as well. Um, It's hard for treatment plans because we don't understand this disease properly. Yeah, exactly. And it's frustrating because you're trying to explain it to other people and they're like, what causes it? You're like, I don't really know. What flares it up? Oh, some stuff. Drinking, maybe. I don't know. Stress. But we all drink every now and again and we're all stressed. So it's like it can just flare up. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and then that's the hardest thing. Yeah. The, the one word I always use to describe endometriosis is unpredictable. It's just yeah, that is unpredictable. Do you find that it's affected like your friendships or your work or, you know, just your general life and relationships? Absolutely. And the hardest thing and the reason why it affects it the most is when you have to cancel on people. I've missed weddings. I've been on the way to events and had to go to the emergency room instead. And people are like, but you were fine 20 seconds ago. Why are you now on your knees unable to move? And that's what happens with it. And, And one of my relationships broke down eventually but it should have this should have been a warning sign we're on the way to the footy and it happened and I had to you know my knees buckled because I couldn't move it was that painful and he just left me there because he was so embarrassed and thought I was being dramatic and I'm like if you move in those situations it feels like you're being stabbed in the stomach you have to just curl up in a little ball and it's unfortunate that it can happen in public but that's the reality dodged a bullet there he also probably just wanted to go to the football (laughs) (laughs) So then are you around other endo warriors? Do you have a community of people? Like I know there's Endo Australia, there's Heal Better. Are there other communities that you try and keep in touch with to, you know, have that support? Yeah, there's a great one um, on Facebook. Uh, I think I don't know if it's driven through Endometriosis Australia, but there's an endometriosis support group um, on Facebook and people um, often go in there to ask questions, to get recommendations. If they're having a really bad mental health day, they'll just reach out saying, hey, I'm feeling awful today. And you'll just see the amount of love that will then flood towards that person. Endo Sisters is such a strong community of women because we, we're forced into being resilient, into being strong. And we know that um, a lot of people don't understand us. But the one thing we do is understand each other. And we know that we will always support each other. So whatever ways we can um, meet up or, you know, whenever there's an event, we can't do them this year, 
Um, last year we had to cancel, but that's a great way to meet endo-sufferers. A lot of women will go to these events by themselves and leave with 10 new best friends, which is amazing. Yeah, that's so good. Do you have any like just general friends that have endo or do you only find them through the community? No, I've got heaps of friends that have endo and without a doubt, every new project or workplace that I go to, there'll be someone there that has endo and there'll be someone there that is undiagnosed. Um, They'll go, oh, Mm. do you have endo? Oh yeah, I get period pain sometimes. And I'm like, how bad? Is yeah, it? no, not the same. <laughs> the questions and I'm like, you have endo. Like you need to do something. And it's, but that's what we need to do. We need to talk about it more and recognise it in each other and, and just start those conversations. So, yeah, it, it's strange when you, some of your closest friends have it as well. And actually, it's not strange yeah. because that's how common it is. It is common. And I think more and more people are starting to talk about it. I think periods and pain and stuff is a bit of a taboo topic for such a long time. And now I think a lot of people are talking about it because the pain is real and it's not good. That's right. Even with, you know, I've been helping out with the PR side of endometriosis for about five years and um, last year and again this year, we got on all the mainstream TV networks. We were in all the magazines and online articles. That was unheard of 10 years ago. No one would do that because it was so taboo. So to have a full five-minute segment talking about endometriosis um, through traditional media streams is incredible because it shows that we are ready to talk about it more and accept it and that's what we need because until we've got that, I mean, even last year or or the year before, the government finally, you know, apologised and started funding research. You know, we were never acknowledged up until then. Yeah, it's amazing. So if you could pick one symptom to go away to be the healthiest version of yourself, what would it be? Ooh, I'm not a fan of the endo belly. Nobody wants to walk around looking eight months pregnant if they're not going to have children. I think it's just a cruel twist of fate to just be like, and also you can't hide it and it's unattractive and it's just, I just wish the endo belly would go away. I could almost do with the stabbing pain, but um, the endo belly is, is what causes a lot of discomforts, what ends up sending you to the emergency room. It's, um, you know, it starts those embarrassing conversations with your partners when you're looking, you know, not attractive with an endo belly. Yeah, and I'm sure it doesn't help your outfits. Like one day something would feel fine and the next day you feel a little bit like you need to like move your shirt around all the time. Yeah, exactly. So my final questions for today, are, the first one is any advice for anybody who has unresolved symptoms? I feel like you, I know what you're going to say, but even just recommendations of who to see? Push for it with your GP. But before you do that, do the research. Go onto one of those endometriosis support pages. Ask for recommendations for mm. endometriosis specialists in your area, not just a normal gyno. Look for an endo specialist. Then take that name to your GP. Um, if you need to, I know I probably shouldn't say this, but I know how some GPs are because I've seen it firsthand. If you need to lie and say my mother had endometriosis, that's how you'll get your referral to the gynecologist <laughs> because sometimes they just will try and tell you, no, you don't have endo. And it's like, just give me my referral so I can speak to a specialist. But sometimes they won't. They want to diagnose yeah. themselves. They'll say you have IBS. Just push for it. If you've got the main symptoms, make sure you get to an endometriosis specialist and let them diagnose you, let them discuss it with you. Yeah, that's a good one. And then what are your tips for managing flare-ups when you have a busy schedule? Oh, look, I did a a cross on Studio 10 um, two days ago and I woke up in the morning and I felt nauseous and I'm like, is that because I had too many champagnes for International Women's Day or am I about to have 
flare up. <laughs> and 20 minutes later, I had a flare up. And then thankfully, it was gone before the cross three hours later. But it's so unpredictable. If you've got a busy day ahead, there's you just have to pray you don't have one. There's nothing you can do to stop it from coming on. Mm, yeah. It's so tough, isn't it? Because it's just the card you've been dealt with and you have to deal with it. Yeah, you do. And and that's what a lot of endo sufferers do. We, we don't sit there and feel sorry for ourselves. We just get along with it. We're not going to sit around and go, oh, I might have a flare up today, so I'm going to stay home. I might have a flare up, so I'm just going to, um, you know, not live my life to the fullest. Some will have that mentality. And, I, and to them, I say, don't have that mentality because there's still a lot you can do. We've had endo sufferers that have won um, Olympic gold medals. Um, we have, I mean, even Kayla Itzines came out um, talking about her endo journey. And that is, she is a very trim, fit, healthy woman. She yeah. doesn't even drink. Um, and she has endo. So, but we're all still trying to go along with our lives and that's what you need to do. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, my final question is if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you? Oh, I do love a good um, DM on Instagram, so feel free to drop by on there. Um, what am I? Melgreg underscore. So I get a lot of messages from women asking about endometriosis or, um, you know, just wanting to, to chat and I'm absolutely here for it. So um, please feel free to reach out and if you want to get your hands on the hill better kit as well healbetter.com.au if you've got surgery coming up or if you know someone with endo do them a favor and get that kit or do yourself a favor and know there's other options out there for you other than sitting there with a big bloated sore tummy and painkillers which will then make you constipated and it won't be fun um, there's other options there for you as well yeah amazing well thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your story on endo thanks for having me thanks for putting up with a very fatigued mel Thanks for listening to this episode of Allergy Proof. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to this podcast, please send this episode their way. I'm here to help women thrive in life with all of their health issues because I am living proof. Make sure you hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can listen to our latest eps which go live weekly. This is a totally independent podcast, so I really do rely on subscribes, reviews, and word of mouth to spread the word. You can also find some more helpful tips on Instagram at yoursonlyco and more from me, your host at Ashley Templar, spelled A-S-H-L-I. Catch you next time.